clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. catch i'm adam jeffrey rossi whoa i'm josh lapping i'm kind of pumped man yeah i mean it's, we had to had to take a little break when we were mourning uh the greatness of tom brady so uh, yep yep and so here we are start of season four of simultaneous catch season four. this is actually pretty incredible i don't know so i mean i have no plans to stop recording this show for multiple more seasons but when we started it, did you ever think we would get to like a season four? Uh, or, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad because I've got celebrations for season fifty planned. Oh my! <laughs> I don't know if I planned on going that far. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, folks, welcome to Simultaneous Catch. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're recording on the new league year, new year. Oh yeah. Yep. So. We're about an hour into the new year, so all the trades that we've heard during the offseason can be completed. All the signings that we heard during the quote-unquote legal tampering period the last couple of days. Can Why now, is that quote-unquote? Because I just think it's silly. It's a real thing, I whether or not a, you think it's silly. I know it's a real thing, but you know, I just, I'm going into season four, going to go back <laughs> to our old debate come ways. In, come backing at me all the time. Yep. <laughs> I, just think, I just think, why can't you call it the negotiation period? <laughs> because... That wouldn't make today the start of the league year if they were allowed to do things before. All right. So, legal tampering period is over. The season has officially started the 2021-2022 NFL season. Uh, lots to talk about there. First, we're going to wrap up and talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Then we're going to head into deals that have been made, uh, moves that have already been made, and then talk about things that we would like to see or think we will see. Uh, you forgot to mention that we're going to do a little recap oh, of our last yeah. year. So I made notes Somewhere between from, there. from our original preseason shows where we made predictions. I will say this, not as bad as you would expect. I know that sometimes we laugh. I expect greatness. I, so sometimes we laugh at ourselves for how bad some of our predictions can be, myself included with the Atlanta Falcons. But we nailed plenty of predictions, I will say. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of us for that. And we're also going to pick our contest winner. What? Yeah, we'll save that for the very end of the show. That'll be our our capper as we head off 
into the into the sunlight, into the sunset. Into the sunlight. Oh my yep. gosh. All right. So we're going to start with good old fashioned rant rave recall. Do you have one? I don't have one. All right. I have a pretty big one. Oh, so I want okay. you to brace yourself. Here we go. I have a recall. All right. And I'm going to start it off the top with just the sentence and then I'll explain. All right. <clears throat> Adam Jeffrey Rossi no longer hates Tom Brady. What? My recall is that I no longer hate the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. All right, like okay. this is this is this is huge. First time I'm I've hearing been, of this, even know, personally. There are multiple times that I've wanted to tell you, but I was like, I'm gonna wait until the show to say this. I no longer hate Tom Brady. There are multiple reasons for this. Uh, one of the biggest ones being I'm trying to make changes in my life where I'm not such a hateful person because I think hate is corrosive and toxic and bad, even in sports. There are still people that like. Here's the thing: I don't love Tom Brady. I'm not saying that. I'm not going from. I'm not doing a complete 180, but I no longer hate him or root for his demise, okay? okay? I think it started with when I heard ESPN's Mike Greenberg. He has a podcast called Greeny, and before the Super Bowl, he had this really long segment where he talked about why he started to root for Tom Brady, and if you don't, for those of you who don't know, Mike Greenberg's a huge Jets fan. He hates the Patriots, right? And he said he started to root for Tom Brady the older he got because we start to see ourselves in players. It's another reason why we love sports because we see people overcome things and we put ourselves in that position and say, it's nice. I, I want to be able to be like that. That helps me feel like I can overcome that. So the older somebody gets or the more people start to say that somebody's not going to be good and they overcome that, that we want that. We root for that, whether consciously or subconsciously, because we want to know that we can come back from criticism or negativity or when people say we're done. That this is when it started. I was like, "That's interesting, actually." Uh, and then obviously we were heavily rooting for the Chiefs in the game, and they just found a way to get it done and won. And obviously, I was very upset after that because we were rooting for the Chiefs heavily. And as the week afterwards went, and the following week, I just thought about it and thought about how unbelievably incredible it is what Tom Brady's accomplished. And you I was. Just, you just started thinking about that. I, no, well, no, I, no. So here's the thing: is that I was. I've been blinded by my own hatred for this person and this player, and sometimes I let myself not realize just truly how incredible his story is. If if Tom Brady hadn't have been the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots and crushed us so many years, I feel like he would be one of my favorite players in the NFL because he is exactly the type of player that you would think. Adam Rossi would love. He was a late round draft pick. Nobody believed that he was going to be any good. He came in for uh I don't I don't know if you would consider Drew Bledsoe a superstar, but he was definitely a star quarterback for the Patriots. They were very good with Drew Bledsoe. And then nobody expected him to do it and led them to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, then came back, did it again. And then but by his 28-year-old season, he had won 3 Super Bowls. Incredible. That's somebody that everybody should aspire to, to uh, I don't want to say idolize, but it should be a role model. It, this guy has never, ever, ever had the strongest arm, never been the most accurate, although he has a pretty decent arm and is amazingly accurate. He is There is not a single trait about Tom Brady that you would say, that's the best. You know what I mean? When you're building a quarterback, you wouldn't say best decision-making. You'd probably talk about Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. You'd never say the most accuracy because I think Drew Brees is probably the most accurate quarterback we've ever seen. You wouldn't say strongest arm. Those are guys like Mahomes and Rodgers and 
maybe someday they'll consider Josh Allen. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that you would you would never say he has the 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 best legs because he's not quite that mobile. Like there is nothing about Tom Brady except for one thing: his work ethic. He works harder than any single person that has ever worked in this sport and in a lot of industries. And I, for so long, have allowed my personal hatred because he's crushed my team over and over again to overlook that and not appreciate that. So uh, these have been a couple of years for growth for me. I want this to continue to be an even bigger year for growth for me. I no longer hate Tom Brady. I don't love the guy. But I respect the hell out of them. And next season, if they're really good, I will simply just appreciate getting to watch something that's never, ever happened before in the NFL. And that's a 44 going on 45-year-old quarterback crushing it in the NFL. Well, all right. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Came a long way from saying they wouldn't even make the playoffs. I did. Yep. That is on the predictions. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I hear you. I don't have much of a response to say. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what he has accomplished will just never be accomplished again. It, in, yeah, I mean, in the NFL, and let alone many sports, major league sports. So, yeah. And I just and it's I, nice I, for you to say that yeah. on the uh, the anniversary of him going to Tampa. Yep, so. like I said, and I it's. I'm not. I'm not going to be buying a Tom Brady jersey anytime soon, but the guy. The guy. I, I, this is stupid for me to say that he deserves respect because we all know he deserves respect for for what he has done. But I. I. I admire somebody who's never been the most talented in the room, but works his behind off to be because that's who I've always thought myself to be. So I. I, I respect it. I admire it now. And I no longer hate him. And let's just say this. It was a very fun and humanizing moment to watch a guy drunk throwing a Lombardi trophy from a boat to boat. That was very fun. So Yikes. <laughs> so with that being said, let's talk about the topic that we ignored for the last month. And yep. that was the complete annihilation of the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl by Tom Brady and those Buccaneers. What did you take away from that game? I know it was a while ago, but dig into that memory capsule as we were sitting there not too happy. And uh, what would you take away from that? I mean, we learned that for the longest time we said you can't win a Super Bowl by yourself unless you're Patrick Mahomes. And we learned that, that even that doesn't count. You can't win the Super Bowl without talent around you. And for the longest time, we talked about quarterbacks like Dak Prescott when we're saying you can't give him this much money because he needs all these things around him to win. Well, now we just found out that the the best quarterback in the league right now also needs that. And even to put it that way, I found, you know, we, we have been, we've criticized announcers and, and things like that for being so high on Mahomes, but... That was one of the most impressive games I've seen from Pat Mahomes, and he struggled the whole time. I mean, we were talking about those plays where he's like completely parallel to the ground and hits his receiver right in the face mask and can't catch it. He's hitting Tyreek Hill off his back foot, across his body, into the end zone, can't catch it. Like the guy's doing literally everything humanly possible. And the stat, I, I, I he ran for 500 yards before throwing the football scrambling in that game he was it's all over the place and that's the number one lesson you can't win without help around you period no matter what you have to have things around you especially offensive line I think for me it really reinforced the uh almost cliche of football is that football is won and lost in the trenches yeah yeah you 
to me, that game came down to the advantage that Tampa's defensive front had over Kansas City's offensive front. Obviously, Kansas City lost Eric Fisher in the championship game. Right, absolutely. And then I can't remember why their other tackle wasn't there. But then Shaq Barrett just continued on his role that he was on in the playoffs and made that game living heck for Pat Mahomes. So I think it continues to go and show that when you have an offensive line that is porous and when you have a great defensive line that can create pressure, it will make the best of the best look pretty mediocre. And in our entire preview episode, preview live, we continue to say Pat Mahomes will overcome it. Overcome it. We did. The weapons will overcome it. We said it over and over and it you just it doesn't. It really, truly doesn't. And it's not as though we were watching him overcome it all playoffs. They had everything intact when they beat beat the Browns. Obviously, they lost Mahomes in the fourth quarter, but they had everything intact when they sort of dismantled the Bills as well. Like, they didn't lose the people until the Super Bowl, and it reared its ugly head. They were without two, uh, both their tackles, right? And I don't know about their centers and guards, but, the, you know, they just they legitimately had nothing left. They were third string players that were trying to play, start a Super Bowl, and you just can't do that. That's why they doled out all kinds of money to the offensive guard at the start of the free agency because they need to bolster that line to make sure that they're okay. Yeah, we'll certainly talk about that signing and others here in the next couple of minutes. I don't actually know how I feel about that signing, to be honest, but we'll, we'll talk in, about that yeah. in a moment. Let's uh, let's do let's go through. Okay, we're gonna wrap up our season three kind of here and talk about our preseason predictions where we were right where we were wrong and chat a lot about that for a bit and then we'll go into free agency and fully kick off season four seventh innings catch but like i said a lot right a lot wrong <laughs> so i'm gonna go i'll go like category to category for both of us how about that sure okay so division winners let's start there josh's predictions for division winners were the colts the saints the Packers, the Steelers, the Bills, the Cowboys, uh, Seattle, and the Chiefs. So some right, some wrong. You got the Saints, the Packers, and the Steelers. You got the Seahawks, right? They finished. They did. And the Chiefs. So five out of eight, not terrible, right? Yeah, I take that. Pretty good. Uh, Adam had the Colts, the Falcons, the Packers, the Ravens, the Bills, uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Rams. So I got the Packers, the Bills, the Chiefs. So I only got three. Although I will say, to start the segment of the NFC East, I jokingly said Washington. So, And we did make that bet. <laughs> Mid-season, we did change and make the bet between uh, the Giants and Washington. But... Regardless, so it's safe to say you annihilated me in this category. You were very good at this category. I was not very good at this category. Ah, uh, <laughs> doesn't need to be a competition yet. And then the wild cards: Josh had the Titans, Pats, Ravens, the Bucks, Rams, and Forty ers So obviously, of that category, the Rams made it, the Ravens made it, and the Titans did make it as well. And then I had the Texans, Titans, Browns, Saints, Lions, Niners. So, obviously, the Saints did make it, but they won the division. Uh, the Browns did make it as well, and so did the Titans. So, 
both of us ended up getting over half of the playoff teams correct, but you got more than I did. Hooray! <laughs> now here's where the fun really starts. The breakout players. Okay. For oh the boy. AFC South, Josh said Grover Stewart. <laughs> he had 46 tackles, four for loss, two quarterback hits, and one pass defense. I submit that you got this one right as a defensive tackle. How do you, what say you? Yeah, I think as a defensive tackle, when you're uh, in a position to make plays like that, I think, you know, he lined up next to uh, the big free agent signing last year or the trade, the trade between the 49ers and the Colts. And I think, you know, he was never going to be the guy that blew the stats off. That was always going to be a bucker, but playing playing a a sub role like that, I think that constitutes that a little bit. I would, I give you the win on that one for sure. So a my breakout for the FC South was Will Fuller, who, let's just say this, finished the season with 53 catches, 878 yards, and 8 touchdowns. Now, obviously... How did I ever allow that? I don't know. You let it happen. I mean, like, he definitely did have the best year of his career, <laughs> absolutely, and that was even with the being cut short yeah. with the PED suspension. But how did I ever allow Will so, Fuller, an so, established player, to have so, a breakout so year? So on the, on the episode, we talked about... Uh, I remember on the episode, you actually said it was good because you're like, well, he's never finished a season. And that was my big thing was that he was going to finish a season because he w- wouldn't be injured. So he wasn't actually injured, but he didn't finish a season. So I, this one might be a wash. He you know, certainly had his best career. But no, he did have year. his best year. Absolutely. <laughs> he is still one of the unsigned free agent wide receivers out there on the market right now. We'll have to see. He's going to be missing week one. So we'll see if somebody... Doesn't care about that. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. I'm very fascinated by this wide receiver market right now. But continue, continue. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so I, I think that we both did put a pin on players that obviously produced, uh, which is good. So we'll we'll call it one for one on on AFC South for both of us. Let's go to the NFC South. This one's fun. We each chose a tight end. Okay. Uh, we both chose tight end Hayden Hurst. Ah. Uh, okay. <laughs> great letdown for everybody. <laughs> Nobody was happy about that. So Hayden Hurst finished with 47 catches, 496 yards, and four touchdowns, which among tight ends wasn't that bad, but it's just it was a bad year for tight ends in general. Other than guys like Kelsey and Waller, you know, most other tight ends kind of disappointed this season or were inconsistent enough that you couldn't fully rely on them for most of the season. Yeah, that's certainly not a bad year. Uh, by any stretch of the means, but everybody expected when Hayden Hurst got traded down to Atlanta, they were like, oh my gosh, we're going to see offensive explosions mm-hmm. going on there. It's going to be such a, a big boom, and I definitely don't think we ended up seeing that. No. So Josh's quote was, his career high in yardage was 512 yards. Uh, I think he will easily surpass that. That was the quote from Josh, and I emphatically agreed. So we both have egg on our face for that one. <laughs> Wait, did he not pass that? He did not. He had 496 yards. So he was close, but he did not easily surpass it, which is upsetting. But you know what? Live to fight another day. So we're going to go to the NFC North now. Josh, I definitely thought he had like 500. I could be wrong, but... I'm looking this up. I'm That's okay. Playing a little stat guy. I thought here. I, I thought I had written this down. Well, I will say I wrote the stat one stat line next to Hayden Hurst on mine. On yours, I put that quote. So I don't know. Okay. According to Pro Football Reference. Okay, that's an I, that's a good source. He had caught fifty six balls for five hundred and seventy one yards. Oh well, then he did surpass it. So you <laughs> I would say it was super easily though. <laughs> okay. 
So NFC North, Josh went with another tight end, TJ Hawkinson, who did have a very good season for especially for a tight end. He was one of the higher ends after those that top echelon. He had 64 catches for 698 yards and six touchdowns. A pretty solid season for a tight end. Uh, I, I for mine I put Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, uh, LOL. <laughs> uh, my heart hurts. <laughs> but yeah, TJ Hawkinson, man. TJ Hawkinson did uh, start coming on. That was year two. Obviously, everyone always talks about it. And I always think it's such a weird thing, but they say tight end always takes a hard time to develop. You need to, the rookie years. Oftentimes, they wash. They need more time to develop into the NFL game. And I was really excited about him coming out of college at, there at Iowa. And he, he doubled his total yards. He caught four more touchdown passes than his rookie year. I thir- certainly think that constitutes a breakout. I do as well. I do as well. And, you know, I definitely don't think you're crazy for your EQ pick, you know, but <laughs> it's just, I I don't know. I I, I love the kid, but uh, has just certainly not shown up yet. And this is a good thing. This is a good situation to point out. It looked like he was primed to have that because Devin Funches was out. Uh, there were injuries. It looked like he would be the number two or the number three option. Obviously, a lot of us assumed Alan Lazard would be the two, but the three was kind of open. Marquez Valdez getting had been inconsistent for most of his career, and he continued that mostly this season. But, you know, we, we were looking for somebody to step up amongst that pack. So it wasn't crazy to look at, but now we look back, and it's funny because obviously it was middled with injury and inconsistency. So that, that happens. We look every season. There are people that we look at and think, this person can do it. It doesn't happen most of the time. So it's a it's a good lesson to learn. So moving on to the AFC North, Josh was in love with tight ends on breakouts because he went with Eric Ebron, uh, and, who had 56 catches, 558 yards, and five touchdowns. Like I said, we're seeing a, a trend here. Most of these guys within a, a hundred yards or so and a touchdown or two of each other. There was there, It was a very, very dry season for tight ends. And, you know, we know that because it sucked for fantasy finding a tight end if you didn't have Travis Kelsey or Darren Wall. Uh, and I said Marquise Hollywood Brown, who had 53 catches for 728 yards and six touchdowns. So his best season so far. Uh, I don't know if we consider it a breakout because for the first half of the season it was very disappointing. He came on hot later in the year when the Ravens went on their five or six game winning streak to finish the season. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I think obviously Ebron was another tight end coming to a new team going from the Indianapolis Colts over to Pittsburgh where he made some plays from time to time, but I was so excited about the connection between him and Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. And that obviously resulted in over 50 catches and 500 yards, Mm -hmm. half of 10 touchdowns. I don't know why I said it that way instead of saying five. (laughs) It doesn't have the same ring as half a dozen. Fair enough. But it wasn't necessarily what I was expecting, so I, w- I would probably take an L on that one. Okay. As far as yours, I don't know. I feel like you can kind of maybe wash that one just because I think we had such high expectations right. for the Ravens' right. offense. He didn't have quite the breakout that I was predicting at the time, but he did break out. I mean, he certainly had a good year, but I think it was just pass catchers really as a whole for that organization. It's yeah. going to be something fascinating to watch as we come into this season. A lot of people are connecting forward. with Kenny Galladay as a name that they could look at. Yeah, they're certainly one of those teams that could play – or you as one of those big-time wide receivers that are mm-hmm. on the market right now. So AFC East, I said Nikhil Harry. Okay. Who is garnering trade rumors right now because I believe he's a very talented receiver. He was my favorite coming out of the draft that year out of Arizona State. He just 
uh, was incredible with the jump ball and great after the catch. It just that has not come to fruition so far in New England. And then I'm going to toss it to you for your breakout because he's a Miami Dolphin, Noah Igbenogamy. Yeah, that was also a big loss on my part. That was a player, the third player that the Dolphins drafted in the first round last year. Uh, certainly had a chance. Uh, he had some growing pains early in the beginning of the season, but with the Byron Jones injury in week two, he was kind of thrust more into action. Got burned in a way that I would expect from a young defensive back, but I thought it was going to be like a learning process and whatnot. Yeah. But obviously, or I shouldn't say obviously, eventually Nick Needham started coming in and playing more of that role that I expected from Igmanami. I yep. just stuttered all over his name. It's okay. But... Yeah, so that one didn't necessarily pan out, and I don't think that the Dolphins right now are looking at him as a reliable player uh, in their secondary, and I think that goes to show in, in one of their free agent signings that they've had already this year. So Yep, that makes sense. Like I said, we take shots at players just like NFL GMs and coaches do, and sometimes you miss. NFC East... So I said Blake Jarwin. I'm just starting with that because he got injured in game one. Tough, tough beat. I still believe in Blake Jarwin going into the next season. Obviously, Dan Schultz uh, showed some ability during the season. He was a fantasy option at times for people. Uh, but the tight end position received a lot of targets. And I still believe in Blake Jarwin. I don't know quite if you know the Cowboys do or if they'll just go with Jar- or Schultz as the starter next season. We'll see what happens. But I still believe in the possibility of a, of a of a breakout, if you will, for next season. Yikes! Um, Josh went with Darius Slayton, which also ties into his bold prediction that at the end of the season, Darius Slayton would be considered the best receiver in the NFC East. I don't know if I said it that way. I said I, he'd be the most productive. Okay, fair enough. And that obviously wasn't correct. Um, but, you know, I tie a lot of that not on what I think of Darius Slayton, okay. but I think it was more of the ineptitude that Daniel Jones showed at times. Okay. Also, when Daniel Jones came back from his injury, he just didn't play the same way he was early in the season. Yep. So getting injured, having Colt McCoy come in, and then coming back, I don't think he was quite right. I think there were a lot of things that hindered that Giants team. It's going to be a team that not a lot of people talk about, right. but I think it's another sleeper team moving into this year. I'm curious what your thoughts are on da- Daniel Jones. Obviously, like you said, it was kind of an up-and-down season for him. There were times where Daniel Jones looked very good. Yeah, and There were times sure. where he looked like the Daniel Jones that we've been making fun of for the last year and a half. And his season can be totally encapsulated in one microcosm of a moment, which was when he did the read option and ran 85 yards and stumbled at the three-yard line wide open. There's not a better microcosm for the season. An incredible, athletic, amazing play that ends in hysterics because he fell down and didn't score. I would say they did score on that drive, but still funny. So, yeah, I definitely – I'm not out on Daniel Jones yet. The kid okay. is only 23 years old. Yes. He's still extremely young. He's a 6'5 guy, so he's a big guy with a big arm, can obviously run. Yep. We talked about it last year. After that iconic play, he reached a faster speed than Lamar Jackson had at any point <laughs> in that year. Hysterical. So he can obviously run, but it's still just coming together for him. Yep. And, and, you know, I think that's okay. Obviously, coming out of Duke, he had some – some experience, but this was going to be a raw project. And let's let's talk. Take this into consideration. So obviously, the the hoopla around that draft was that the Giants took 
Daniel Jones before Dwayne Haskins yep. got drafted. Absolutely. So everyone's like, that's a crazy move. And I can't remember who said it, but I remember you freaking out about somebody who is a Giants fan. Like They were like, I don't want to watch the Giants anymore. It was Max Kellerman on first take. He's a huge Giants fan, and he went off on it. He was like, this is disgusting. And so, I mean, who's, who's laughing in that scenario now? Right. So, you know, I think... This is going to be a telltale year. So obviously, yeah, Daniel sure. Jones will be back. And if they're awful, then they'll probably start somebody else and they'll lose a lot of games and they'll be in position to draft the quarterback again. Yep. Or else things will finally start to click. We obviously can't lose Saquon Barkley in the first half of the season again. That's tough. That's a tough beat. It was the first game, wasn't it? It was the very first game, and yeah. So we can't even say the first half. I mean, the first half of a game. Actually, it might be the second game. The second game? It might be the second game. Because okay. I, I feel like I remember having him i had him on four fantasy teams i was so excited because i've never had him and i was like oh yeah i have saquon barkley and then he got injured early <laughs> so regardless obviously these things have to continue on to see him develop and they're a big contender right now for the for the galladay which would be a great move for them to pair him with the slayton and obviously stopping sterling shepherd there in the slot after losing golden tate and yeah, so that's a, that's another piece right there where he was a little bit all over the place, but when he was out on the field, he performed extremely well. Speaking and when, of and when Shepard, and so. when Daniel Jones had all three of his receivers on the field, Daniel Jones was massively better, and that just goes to our lesson that we learned from the Super Bowl: when you have pieces around you, you are infinitely better. You can't do it without those things. So the Giants do have a good offensive line. They obviously have a generational running back who has been injured. Hopefully, he can shake that i will say that obviously his first couple seasons he's had a ton of injuries but that that has been shown can be overcome frank gore who is known as like the most incredible iron man of a running back 37 years old still hoping to find a job in the nfl this season when he started off his career he was considered injury prone he was injured a lot at miami when he was in college and he was injured a lot in the first couple years with the 49ers but he turned it around and now he's this 37-year-old incredible player who just won't quit. So it can be fixed. It can, you can turn around your career and not be known as injury-prone anymore. And they obviously, they have very similar styles of play as well. They're very bruising, hard-hitting. Obviously, Barkley's probably faster and a better pass catcher. But it, it can be done. So so the Giants are a very fascinating team. I think most people who question Joe Judge no longer do uh, at this point of the season because he was shown to be a very good head coach. And uh, we'll certainly follow that close, but I just I, I was interested on your your take for Daniel Jones for sure. Yeah, no, I like I said, I'm definitely not done with Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. I think he has at least this year to okay. to prove some growth. All right, so we're gonna go. We're, I'm gonna do rookies really quick because on the episode you consistently didn't say a rookie. <laughs> I think we just forgot about it. So I did name four rookies, and you didn't name any rookies, which is fine. Love it. But I'm gonna go through. Did my- I name players that weren't rookies? No, we didn't. You didn't even do it. So what we did was, <laughs> we, when we did division by division, we said you announced your winner, your breakout, and your rookie. So you announced winner and breakout, and just forgot about rookie every time. Oh, but I never that. called you on it either. So, regardless, uh, so my four rookies. My first one was Jeremy Chin. Oh yeah, who was uh, the Carolina Panthers? He finished the season. So the most impressive thing about him is how uh, wide his stat sheet is. So he had an interception. Five pass defenses, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, two touchdowns, 102 tackles, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, and two quarterback hits. He was everywhere. He was an incredible player. I think one of the big reasons why I said it is he was a player rumored for the Bills who I wanted really bad. Obviously, I was happy with AJ Epinesa, and you know we'll, we can talk about our teams later on and what their prospects are for their players. But uh, I feel really good about saying Jeremy Chin. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously. 
Chase Young won Defensive Rookie of right. the Year, and it was going to be hard to beat that. Yeah, but if there was. was a player, I think the two young secondary players, Jeremy Chin and uh, Winfield, up there mm-hmm. or down there, I guess I should say, in Tampa, they they played lights out yeah, very absolutely. easily. Should have been very much considered for that role. And so there were a lot of that good, was a great pick for. There were a lot of good young defensive players on that Carolina team. That Carolina team is an interesting one to watch. Obviously, they're in the Deshaun Watson stakes as well that we'll watch closely, but they could very easily turn everything around this coming season. I will say this. I I do think that I nailed all these rookies because the next one I'm saying is Justin Jefferson. But what I want to say, and here's the thing, I'm not going to gloat here, but I want to take my wins when I get it because you're more often right than I am. Just look at our bet record. I said he would slot right into the Diggs role, be the be a big play guy and do it, and I was right about that. That's exactly what he did. And, you know, we did talk a little bit about how, because you eventually you were like, I don't see him as that. He's not going to do that. He's going to be a slot guy. And he also did do that, Yeah, I want to say. Uh, but he definitely slotted right into the Diggs role and at times did it even better than Diggs did in that offense. Obviously, Stephon Diggs had an incredible season. That's a whole other conversation. But he slotted it right in there and was sensational as a rookie. Yeah, Justin Jefferson definitely <laughs> had a better rookie year than I saw coming. So, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Joe Burrow. So I think that I did took the low hanging fruit on that one. But even in the episode, we both kind of snickered at it. And then we both talked about how, you know, I was like, I know that this is the low hanging fruit, but I do think he will be very good. And he was in the time that he had, but it was very clear. It was very similar to what Pat Mahomes faced in the Super Bowl. He needed more protection and more help. And they obviously are, are attempting to do that in free agency and most likely will attempt it in the draft as well. Uh, they had a, uh, a tight, uh, 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 excuse me, a tackle, Jonah Williams, who is out for most of the year as well, who will come back. So they're they're putting pieces around him. But I think for the most part, Joe Burrow showed why he was the first pick, right? Yeah, I think there were certainly flashes. The early season game against Cleveland obviously comes to my Absolutely. mind of where he, he showed that. There were some times that I was a little bit confused about decision-making, necessarily right. maybe moving around the pocket, that... Now, I can't claim like I watched a lot of LSU games, but it never seemed to be that where he looked befuddled and trying to make a play. And I think I saw a little bit of that in the NFL. And I think that it can probably just come with maturity. Absolutely, for sure. And then my last one was Antonio Gibson. We all know how in love I was with Antonio Gibson to start the season. Obviously, he finished the season with 11 rushing touchdowns. Uh, He was injured at the end of the year, so they didn't have him for the playoff game. Although, I actually think he started the playoff game and got injured. I don't remember for sure. But... Uh, yeah, obviously he finished the season injured, but pretty great player for the for the football Washington football team. Yeah, that was a player that you were all over uh, during fantasy seasons and whatnot. That was because uh, so many people were hyping him up uh, on your your favorite right. shows and whatnot, and uh, he really did come in. I think I was glad. At least I don't remember you doing this. I don't think you hyped him as much as other people had, where he was going to be the next. And maybe he will be the next. I don't know. But people are like, he's going to be the 1,000, 1,000-yard 1, person. Right, right. No. <laughs> and so, but he definitely did play extremely well. And that is definitely a fine for that. And he has he has that skill set to be that type of player for sure. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to watch, especially, obviously, we'll talk about this when we go into free agency, the signing of Ryan Fitzmagic. You know, we'll see what that does for a player like him. But, yeah, uh, I, I, feel, I feel good about the rookies that, that I talked about, for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's we have, only have a couple more things left to talk about in the preseason predictions. So Josh said MVP, Tom Brady. Not crazy. 
He was certainly in the conversation at points. Uh, I said MVP Russ, who was the clear-cut one for the first half of the season, <laughs> and then fell off. But instead of laughing at us for being wrong for that, I will tie it into my big bold prediction that I landed, which was that Josh Allen would receive multiple MVP votes, and he did finish second in the MVP voting with, I think, three votes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I still don't know how that makes sense. I think he mean? did deserve votes, yeah. but I think he was definitely number three. There's obviously there's a discussion to be had. I I think there's a discussion to be had about most valuable, but yeah, I I, I can see why people some people would say Mahomes. Who did I say to win the MVP? Yeah, Tom Brady. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. And he was in the conversation at points. He had a very good season. Obviously, forty touchdowns and only seven interceptions. I think he was very good. Tom, <laughs> who I no longer hate. All right, so Super Bowl predictions: Josh said Chiefs. Seahawks, Chiefs winning it. So you did get one. I said Colts Rams with the Colts winning. I got none. Although I will say we both picked teams that were in the playoffs, which in years past that's not always been the case. <laughs> Surprised you didn't say Atlanta. <laughs> I did not. I had Atlanta making the playoffs, but I did not have them them winning. But uh yeah, so I don't think we need to talk too much about that. And then to round it off, we both said our fantasy MVPs and were pretty wrong. Josh said Julio Jones, uh, who, in typical Julio Jones fashion, as of late, injured. And Adam said Zach Moss, who was just not even close. <laughs> um, I will say this about Julio. And you know what? He's only 35 years old, I think, 34. Is he that old? He can have – he might be 33 or something, but – he can have bounce backs. He's thirty-two. Oh, okay, don't that's make great. Him an old so man. He certainly, he certainly has time to, you know, finish his career very strong. I just hope that we can remember. I hope that he a does and b if he doesn't, we can still remember Julio Jones for who he truly was as a totality. Because right now, everybody's he's the kind of a punchline right now about always being injured and not being reliable. But I hope that we, even if he were to end his career in the next couple of seasons just because he's been so injured and wants to walk away, I hope that we remember him for who he truly was for the majority of his career, which is a dominant, dominant player. Yeah, for sure. say that about Julio. (laughs) Were you, like, so adamant in that defense because you made him a senior citizen? Yeah, I was. That's fair. (laughs) I understand. All right, so that just, that wraps up our... Talk about season three of Simultaneous Catch, and this is the season opener for season four. So let's talk opening of the NFL season. Yeah, obviously there is so much going on. There has been so much going on after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks having yep. different places or different teams having different quarterbacks all over the landscape of the NFL so far. And free agency has obviously officially started just as of four o'clock today but the legal tampering period that you love so much started (laughs) the other day on monday and so that was when teams could agree to contracts with with players so Mm -hmm. obviously the the big news that we obviously talked about so much last year has finally come to culmination and that was carson wentz being done with the philadelphia eagles being traded to the Indianapolis Colts to re uh, with Frank Reich. To, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So obviously that one happened. Matthew Stafford got traded from the Detroit Lions to the Los Angeles Rams mm-hmm. in a swap for Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. So he's now in 
the Lions organization, Andy Dalton, went from Dallas, is now signed with Chicago Bears. You talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick going, and right now looking like he was probably the number one guy probably, at for least to Washington. Start. So that is just the ones off the top of my head. Is there anybody else? In terms of quarterback play? In terms of quarterback. I mean, Tyrod Taylor went to Houston, who might end up being a starter, depending on what happens with Watson. We'll certainly talk about that momentarily. Uh, other than that, there were back. There were a lot of backups that moved around. Brissett is now going to back up Tua in Miami, and I think as it stands right now, that's pretty much uh, all that's that's happened in the quarterback universes. Cam Newton resigned with the New England Patriots for a one-year deal. Right. Obviously, we are talking about those guys that are are signing with places, and a big part of that is obviously the retirement of two extremely familiar faces in the NFL. Drew Brees officially mm-hmm. calling it retirement from the New Orleans Saints. Yep. That happened just a couple of days a couple ago. Of days ago yep. And then Phillip Rivers announced his retirement relatively quickly. Yeah. So those are two faces that we've seen around the NFL for the past 15 years plus. Absolutely. So they're definitely guys that are going to be weird to not see suit up this upcoming season. And that leads to the... A little bit strange, Taysom Hill signing or re-signing. Yeah. Jameis Winston also re-signed. So it truly, I, I'm really curious to see what the Saints are going to do with this. Yeah, I mean, this quarterback battle. That's what they're they're saying it is. Yeah, it's a true quarterback battle, which the media certainly loves. And Taysom Hill. So that's a four-year, 140 million dollar deal. But it's really um, not. Not really. Every year is voidable. So right. I think it's in a way Taysom taking a bet on himself to be like, I yeah. can prove that I'm worth this or I should be around and this which is I, why you want me. Which I, I admire. I think that I respect that. Jameis Winston was on a one-year deal. I think that was worth like, I can't remember exactly. It's a little over $10 million, I think. Yes, it was a $12 million yeah. deal. So I'm really curious to see if we'll see a similar thing to... They roll Taysom Hill out for, for certain play packages. I think that if Jameis Winston were to win the job, they would do that. I do feel that way because they always have. And no matter how many people want to rail against it, it, it works a lot of the time. He's obviously caught a handful of touchdown passes as well. So he's a very, very incredible offensive weapon. And when he started, they were 3-1, and one, and he completed 72% of his passes and rushed for a couple hundred yards. So he was very good when he started for New Orleans last season. So we'll see. This this quarterback battle will be fascinating. Uh, it's certainly going to draw attention to, I'm, I bet, there in a couple of nationally televised preseason games so that we can watch the battles. As you know, I love preseason and watching a lot of those battles. But it'll be one of the more fascinating things to watch heading into the season. And it'll be exciting. Uh, we, 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 we talked about and had our initial reactions to four years, $140 million when we saw it. Obviously, they're all avoidable years. So it's really just a one-year deal for about $13 million. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And quarterback is fascinating this season, more, way more so than in, in years past. With the trades, not only that, but the amount of teams that are still trying to make trades and still will draft quarterbacks as well. Right. We've heard so much about the trades. Obviously, there were teams that were interested in trading for Russell Wilson. Obviously, the, uh, reportedly, the Bears did make an offer. There are so much going on with the rumors of Deshaun Watson, but let's talk about a guy that did get his contract. Dak Prescott finally got that deal. It's a four-year, $160 million deal, obviously coming off of that broken ankle that we we saw against the New York Giants. 
So obviously, congratulations to Dak for Absolutely. getting that contract and, and whatnot. But so now I want to flip it over to you because I feel like you kind of settled this internal debate that you had last year between the it was always the Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz and obviously everyone now it it seems so clear cut that it's Dak Dak's still with the team he got the mega contract Carson Wentz got basically Jetson from his own team that drafted him and whatnot so I'm not necessarily asking you to compare the quarterbacks, but what do you now expect to see out of Carson Wentz now that he's in Indy? I'm, uh, you know, I am very high on Carson Wentz's prospects in Indianapolis, and I loved Frank Reich's comments. Obviously, before the New League year, he couldn't specifically talk about Carson or talk to Carson, so they asked him a question at a press conference and said, "How do you rebuild a quarterback's confidence if he's, you know?" hypothetically lost it so they were obviously talking about Carson Wentz and he had a really good answer about rebuilding confidence and going back to the basics and you know simplifying things until that you start to feel confident again and Carson Wentz obviously had his best years with Frank Reich and I still believe Carson Wentz is one of the, the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL the issue with Carson Wentz has always been he will make a couple of throws a game that are Mahomesian They'll be fantastic. They're, they they take your breath away. But then he makes a couple that that look like when Cam Newton's on his third injury and can't, throws the ball right in the dirt. Like he he he's such a wild spectrum of plays. And Dak has always been the my baseline is always just good. I I still do make great plays as well, but my baseline is good. And that's why Dak Prescott right now is a better quarterback. And there's nobody that should say otherwise. But to say that Carson Wentz is done or washed or terrible right now, I think is completely unfair. And I expect high things from the Indianapolis Colts heading into the season. I expect high things from Dak Prescott. I expect him to perform as well. But, you know, the two teams, which one would you pick over the other? I still think the Colts are a better team just because they're a better team. You know what I mean? I think we saw that I don't think anybody right now would say that Tom Brady right now is a better quarterback than Pat Mahomes. But Tom Brady's team won because they had more stuff in the, in a Super Bowl. We just, you know what I mean? So regardless of who's the more talented quarterback, doesn't really matter that much right now when Dallas still has a defense that gave up, I think, over 30 points a game. I don't have that number right in front of me right now, but it had to have been very close. And they weren't able to score that much because of Dak. And, you know, we had our buddy Mike on, our Cowboys correspondent, who said that they would simply just outscore every team. And... I remind you that they were one in two or one in three with Dak before he got injured because they couldn't just outscore every team. So we'll see what happens. There's certainly a lot moves uh, still to be made. Uh, I'm high on both teams heading into this season for sure. I like both of them, what they have, but I have not even close remotely given up on Carson Wentz. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I'm really excited to see, <clears throat> excuse me, what he looks like in that he, blue uniform. He won't be wearing so. a number 11 as of right now. No, Michael <laughs> Pittman. Well, How do you feel about that? There was a huge debate about this on social media. You know, um, I don't, I don't know if I'm opposed. I guess I, I like that they obviously had the conversation about it and whatnot. Um, I guess the reason I don't really like it, though, is just because number 11 has never really been associated with Pittman, where it was always Carson Wentz's number. That's my big thing, is that Carson Wentz has been wearing 11 since the first time he ever played football, and Pittman has been wearing it one season with the Colts. That's my big thing. But... And it would obviously... It, it, it would obviously be different if... 
Pittman set a rookie record or something wearing right. 11 or right. had like the most one of the most phenomenal rookie seasons ever. Which or, he did. I mean, he was pretty he, good. He, he did but... play really well, but there's no real attachments other than it being assigned your number. And we see it a yeah. lot of times where a rookie will give up a number. It makes it even more rare and kind of cool. I mean, Chris Godwin, who was already an established player, did it last year for Tom Brady. I'm not saying that no. Carson Wentz is Tom Brady, but I'm saying that Carson Wentz is the very first time he threw a football, he wore number 11. And I, it, it's kind of weird that Michael Pittman would be like, no, I don't care. But you know what? It is his number. He, it, he's allowed to. He has say the right that. to it. And, you know, I think Carson Wentz took it as well as you could be. You're like, he said, okay, yeah. it's time for a fresh start all the way around. So I like that too. I Sometimes I do like when quarterbacks say, fresh start, I'm changing my number. Uh, one of my favorite athletes of all time, LeBron James, did that when he went to Miami. He's like, I'm going to wear number six now. This is a new start. It's a new LeBron. That was cool. So people can do that, and Carson, just make a new number be look good on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what the number is, though. It was an interesting little thing to throw in there. I hadn't even hadn't thought about that since that, that story broke. So obviously we talked about the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. so uh, we can talk about some other free agency and, and, and trade things that have been happening. So about, we talked. Yeah, go oh, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just going to start talking about the different deals that were being signed. We talked about Dak Prescott. Leonard Williams did agree to a three-year, $63 million deal with the New York Giants. And I remember we talked about that a a couple of years ago when he got traded from the Giants to the Jets. Mm -hmm. Obviously, last year he played on the tag, but he did did get a long-term deal this year. So New York, obviously, when they traded for him, when he was going to be a free agent. Not to interrupt you, but literally there was literally just a story that was posted about the number that Carson Wentz will wear. Oh, dang. (laughs) He will wear wear number two for the Colts. I don't know if I like that. It was literally posted just a little bit ago. I think that the answer is that one plus one equals two. I feel like it's very simple, but... Uh, it I guess does that's say that he, cool, but... that they posted a picture of. It does look a little bit weird when they post the picture, obviously because we're used to seeing Looks eleven. Like Matt Ryan, but he will wear number two for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, look at those breaking news. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that I think the most interesting thing in totality, and I want your opinion on this because I'll share mine. The spending spree of the New England Patriots signing the top two tight ends in free agency. Uh, I think Hunter Henry was rated in the top. Uh, both were rated in the top ten of total free agents that are available this offseason, excluding players that were tagged or re-signed. Like Dak was number one, but uh, a lot of people thought he would stay with with Dallas. But uh, I guess I want your opinion. I think they, so. They spent more money, uh, excuse me, in this one season than they have in the last ten years total. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction, but it makes sense. You know, this is a team that obviously has had one of the greatest stretch runs that we'll see from an organization probably ever. They had 20 years of of a winning season. And so was it a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to have your first losing season and then go out and try to get all these different players to fulfill things? Yeah, probably technically was. And it's because they made Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith two of the top five paid tight ends. So two of the top tight ends in the league are now on one team. And are they necessarily worth that? Well, I think you can always talk about how free agency things always get boosted up and they're always setting a new norm and whether or not that's a good thing or not. But this is also a team that just was not able to move the ball through the air last year. And I think there was something, I can't remember the exact stat, but they had their pass catchers had 
11 touchdowns last year or something like that and the guys that they brought in had like 22 or so they're obviously upgrading in that area and they feel this is something that they need but i think more so than we think the new england patriots a team that we've come to expect like oh you know like we we did this we talked about bill's comments last year where he was like you know what we did these things to win all these super bowls and then it worked out and right now we're we're paying the consequence and we're like yeah you know they did and and they did it and they had a great run and now they get to be in a little bit of the the, the basement for a while i think they just felt the pressures that we're the patriots we're not supposed to be on the outside looking in we need to do anything and everything to to get back to the top i uh, like a lot of the moves that they made for for a couple of reasons. So the first one being that the Patriots, yes, have never really been this type of team that has spent in free agency. It's mostly either through the draft or they pick up, you know, undrafted players who all of a sudden become incredible. But I will say this, more than anything, a Patriots are the Patriots are a team that when everybody zigs, they zag. They're always doing it their own way. So in a season where a lot of teams aren't spending a ton of money to start free agency, they're like, you know what, we're going to do it. We have the money. The cupboard was bare last year. It won't be bare anymore. Another another point to make. Cam Newton, who, who would you think, off the top of your head, was the best weapon that Cam Newton ever threw to? The, the one that, we, that, that Cam Newton, when he would throw to this person, was at his best. Greg Olson. Exactly. So they were like, you know what? We're going to grab two great tight ends for Cam Newton to, to work the middle of the field for. An- another point, the Patriots were the most dangerous in their 20-year span when they had two great tight ends to work the middle of the field with Tom Brady. And that's obviously the top one being Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. But later in the years when it was just Gronk, it was Gronk and Martellus Bennett. You know what I mean? Or Gronk and... There's another one that I can't think of right now, but like th- there was, there was always another Benjamin guy. Watson. Yeah, thank you, Benjamin Watson. So there was, <laughs> there was always another guy with him. There were two, like obviously one was great and one was was good, but maybe not quite as good. But still, there were two very good tight ends. Now they have two very good, if not great, whichever one you want to talk about, tight ends. So that's another point. And and another thing I want to mention is that when Hernandez was on that team, Hernandez was used as a tight end, but he was also used as a running back. They ran with the football. They gave him on sweeps. That's Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith can do those types of things. He did them in Tennessee. He's an incredible athlete. And I am like excited but also afraid of the Patriots for next season because not only that but they're also getting guys like Chung and Hightower back uh, and other players that opted out they had the highest number of opt-outs in the league they add Judon uh, Jalen Mills uh, other defensive players and now they're adding these weapons along with Nelson Aguilar like this team could be very very scary and I know that we always look at the team that spends the most in free agency and think this team could be really good and most of the time doesn't work out but I think that the moves have been very strategic, not just let's throw money at everybody. Uh, because if they wanted to do that, they could have paid Kenny Galladay $100 million and been like, you know what, we threw money at the best receiver, you know what I mean? I think that they they pinpointed exactly how they want to run their offense and their team and said, you know what, Cam's coming back, we're getting him his two tight ends, we're getting him a fast, a fast receiver, and boom, let's go, let's get it. And they're talking about also signing one of the running backs that's going to be available, uh, whether that be like a Chris Carson or Leonard Fournette, who knows, but... Uh, they had a plan, and they're sticking to it, and I respect that. And I'm afraid of every team in the AFC East right now. <laughs> but the Patriots are certainly a team that are going to be very trendy. Uh, even They haven't even had a draft yet. But when we head into that end of the season, they're going to be a trendy pick to, be, to come back in the AFC East. Yeah, absolutely they are. 
Yeah, it was really fascinating to see because that's not something that we've typically seen in the past for them. So to see them, it just felt like when Monday rolled around, every free agent update was uh, was a New England (laughs) Patriot. So that was was really fascinating. (laughs) So obviously there are different guys that were franchise tagged and that kind of took them away from that top 10 list that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Was there a player off the top of your head that received the tag? There were players Chris Godwin, Brandon Sheriff in Washington. There was Alan Robinson in Chicago. Justin Simmons is a great safety that not a lot of people talk about. Second year tag, by the way, for him. Um, those are some players that got the tag. Marcus Williams was a strange one down in New Orleans when they didn't have that much cap to be playing with. Do you think there's one of those guys that definitely needed to stay on their respective team that you think was like, yes, it's a good thing that that team made that move? So... I'll answer this two different ways because one, my initial answer for the team's sake is Allen Robinson, not for necessarily Allen Robinson's sake. Okay. But for the team's sake, they needed to tag Allen Robinson. He's their best player on offense. And even with a combination of Trubisky and Foles, uh, Allen Robinson was still great last season. I really want for him to be able to play with a very great quarterback because I think he's an incredibly talented player, obviously, PSU, so we both root for the guy. But he's a fantastic player. He's still only 28 years old, and I, I just don't want him to see a ruin his or waste away his careers with only Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, and Mitch Trubisky. You know what I mean? I'd like to see. Well, him now play. he is Andy Dalton, who is all of a sudden the best quarterback he'll have ever played with in his career. Uh, so we'll definitely see what happens with him. But I think for team wise, that's the best one, and I think for player wise, the best one for me is Chris Godwin. He gets to stay with Tom Brady. He gets to be the number one A, one B option with Mike Evans, still with Tom Brady. Obviously, they lost Antonio Brown. I, well, I, we don't know if they'll still resign him, but right now it doesn't look like Antonio Brown's coming back. So he's going to get even more targets and hopefully be be healthy as well. He, he had a pretty big um, postseason. He had some a couple of pretty great catches against Green Bay in that game, in the NFC title game. But I think it, for player-wise, he wins the, the tag deal because he gets to make i think like 17 18 million dollars or is a little bit less than that uh him or robinson has the most it might be robinson who gets the most money but goblin's not far behind him so he gets to make a lot of money and play with the go yeah i'm actually pretty surprised about the island robinson i'm not going to lie not the fact that chicago did it because you're right he has been their best offensive weapon the last two years obviously we saw david montgomery come on last year and start running really well we saw some different wide receivers that have always kind of been around. I expected this, and, it, and it's still possible to happen. I expected a tag and trade scenario to go down with him just because he was so adamant about not wanting to play on the tag. Yeah. And when it first happened, he was liking all of the tweets about how bad the tag was and, and whatnot and wanting freedom and et cetera. So I'll be really curious to see what happens with that. And obviously there are a lot of scenarios going on right now where people are, are kind of ragging on Nagy and and whatnot. So I don't know. We'll, we'll be really – I guess I shouldn't say excited to see what will happen. I, I will say this uh, about the Bears. I think – and we – like the reports today were that the Bears made an incredibly lucrative offer to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson. And they've been obviously in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. I think – that the Chicago Bears thought we're going to tag Allen and then we're going to swing the trade for one of these guys and be like, see, we got you a guy. Now stay. 
Obviously, they didn't, so we'll see where they go from here. But I, I think that that was their thinking. I'm wondering, obviously, Seattle turned down the trade. They said they're not interested in trading Russ. Right, and that doesn't mean that it won't happen next year or anything like that. But, yeah, they did turn it down. Obviously, Houston has been saying that they're not trading Deshaun. But I'm curious if Chicago does pick up the phone and makes a similar type of offer, if Robinson isn't happy a part of that. That's fair. Uh, I think this is a good. I actually, I, I wanted to bring this up the whole episode, so I think we can segue into this trade. The trade talk about these two quarterbacks. I want to know where you land on Deshaun Watson. Obviously, you know, since the beginning of this, most people have been on Deshaun Watson's side, and you know, some people haven't. Of course, uh, infamously, Brett Favre came out against it. I'm like, Brett, what are you doing, man? But I want to know what your thoughts are on the situation. Thoughts in in what way, I guess. Okay, so three. let's do it this way. Three questions. One, do you think Deshaun is right to want out? Two, do you think it happens? And three, if it does happen, where does he go? When does it happen? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit difficult. I understand why he wants out. I feel like you definitely, there is a level that you were disrespected inside of your organization. And anyone that goes to work and can get insulted by their boss or not conferred on a big project that they said they were going to, and then you have the right to want to leave. Obviously, there there are numerous comedies about it, horrible bosses, the whole beef between Jason Bateman and, and uh, uh, I can't think of, Kevin Spacey. Like, there's a famous scene of him throwing him out the window. <laughs> that, that happens. But I also, I don't feel bad for Deshaun Watson. You just signed your contract last year and became one of the highest paid young quarterbacks to, to be in that era. So I don't feel bad for, for your situation. Obviously, I, I have a very difficult time believing that everything just flipped on a switch in the Houston organization. It, it couldn't have been like, this is the best organization in the world. Like, I want to be here. Oh my gosh, like these people are so rude. They don't care about me. Th- there had to have been, you You can judge people. You know how you're treated and thought of and respected and and what level you're on before those decisions are made. So I, I kind of don't agree with Deshaun being like, now suddenly like i get to say that i these people aren't good enough Uh, i do want him to be in a scenario or a situation i should say where he's happy i think he deserves that and i don't think it is with houston i feel like that bridge is pretty in pretty bad disarray right now so i don't know i don't i don't see it happening uh him being in houston being okay but I don't know. What was the second question? So the second question is, does it happen? And then the last one is into that, like, if it does happen, where and when? It's so hard because everyone goes back and forth. And you, I'm sure you've been hearing it just as much as me as the, the phrase, they have all the cards right now. And the thing is, I feel like both, both parties have cards. No one has all the cards, in my opinion, because Houston for all intents and purposes, can lock down and own Deshaun Watson for the next, what is it, seven, eight years if they want to. Yes. The, the contract is, what, five, four years? Yes, yes. And they can continue to franchise tag him after that. Yeah, they, they own his rights for a very, very long time. And so, I mean, like, that's hard, but they can do that if they want to. There's a lot of repercussions to doing that. I can't see any professional players like, I want to go to that organization no, if yeah, they continue to do that. But at the same time, I mean, Deshaun, I mean, what cards does he really have? Like, he can't be working with 
a different team to be like, hey, like, give them all of these things and I'll come play for you. And it's even risky. I mean, is a team willing to sell what you have to presume is going to be the farm to have something go wrong and be like, well, we're in the same exact situation. Like, obviously, you would think that things can't get that bad again, but there are going to be some, whether or not it's fair, questions that come with that. Are you willing to sell three years worth of first round picks, second round picks, the first two days of the draft, some probably pretty great players for a guy that if you get there, you feel like you have to walk around on eggshells. It's a really fascinating situation. And I think it's really hard. I don't know. I can't see the team holding onto the player for them not to be there. I think eventually somebody's going to come in and make an offer that will obviously be great because I don't see them being it's not going to be the Antonio Brown, you got him for a fifth or whatever happened a couple of years ago with that where everyone's like, you only got him for that much and whatnot. But I don't know. This is, if, if it's going to happen, I mean, right now, I, I'm really curious. Everything's been going on. People have been connecting Deshaun Watson to Miami for, for so, so long. Miami has not been loud in free agency right now. There is the rumor that they're kind of keeping that cap space right now to try to make that trade. I don't know. That could obviously be a place that happens, but I think New York's obviously a fascinating one. They're obviously always the one that also gets thrown out around there. They have the second overall pick, a second first-round pick, cap space as well. I don't know. I mean, I can't see Deshaun not being traded, but, you know, I thought it couldn't happen a couple of years ago with the Le'Veon Bell thing. I was like, there's no way the Steelers are going to hold on to the entire time, and they did. And so I don't know. Obviously, I think Pittsburgh's probably the one that won that. Obviously, he sat out, and then he came back and got a lucrative deal, and he's never really yep. been that same player. I so, agree. I don't know. You say, like, the team can't be the winner here. It's just we haven't seen it, and until we do, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it happens at all this year. I think it's Le'Veon Bell. I think he sits out, and they play Tyra Taylor all year. I truly think that it happens because they're both so stubborn right now. And the first of all, I think it's negligence on the on the the Texans organization part to be saying something as silly as we're not even taking calls. I listen, I get it. I totally understand it. Maybe, maybe you're playing your cards close to your chest, but how and maybe I'm wrong. How stupid is it to say we're not taking calls? You can say, "You know what? We listen, we we uh you could say, hey, look, Chicago called today, Carolina called today, they made some good offers, but we're not interested in trading Deshaun right now. What's wrong with saying that? I think it's silly to be like, we're not even listening, okay? Like, I think if your job as an organizational leader is to make your team the best that you can make it, and right now you're making a situation worse, <laughs> you know? Like, you're making it worse and worse by saying, oh, we're not going to do what's best for our organization. And I will say, we don't, I don't want to belabor that too much. That's just that's something that I have been thinking about the last couple of days. Uh, I don't think it happens at all this year. I think he sits out the whole year and they both stand their ground and then we come back to this next season. I truly think that's what's going to happen. I'm so fascinated by that. What's that mean? So are they expecting like, oh, Deshaun, you had a year. Like, you feel better now? Like, come play no, for us? No, I really think, it, I really think it's, it's pride. I think that the organization wants to set a precedent and say, this is unacceptable. We're not, we're not bending. And so, but what, what does that mean? I then? think they're being petty. I think they're going to make him sit out a full year and then be like, you know what? We'll trade you now, but we made you waste a whole year to do it. Anybody else who wants to do this next, you're going to have to burn a whole year of money and your NFL career that's not long enough to begin with to get out. 
So even if you think, because I can't see, I mean, he's obviously young. He's only 25 years old. Right. He'll be 26 yeah. next year. So obviously still extremely young. Right. But I don't think a team is next year going to offer more than they did this year. I don't so either. I don't either. You and think like they just eat that and they're saying I, that if I the had NFL to, tries to continue to be, we're not the NBA. We run yep. this, not you guys. If I had to place a bet, that was where my money would be. Okay. But I will say this. If it does happen, it's not going to happen until draft night. Draft night. Because, uh, for those of you who don't know, you can only trade picks three years in advance. But once the draft starts, you're technically on the one year. So you can start trading that fourth year of a first-round pick. And I think that's what it's going to take to make the Houston Texans, quote-unquote, listen to calls. Who knows if they really are? And they're just, like, blowing smoke out of their behinds. But I think draft night, Miami... New York, Carolina, that's the two and three pick. That's exactly. going to be a long 20 minutes. Exactly. I think both clocks are going to go down because they're going to be like, you know what? We'll give you this year, next year, next year, and next year. We will give you four first round picks for this quarterback. Why aren't you doing this? I think <laughs> that if it will happen, that's night will happen. That's why I think the draft night is going to be incredible. They're going to be trades all over the place. Aaron, or Adam Schefter is already predicting four quarterbacks in the first seven picks, which has never happened before. It's going to be my. It's going to be so much fun. Obviously, simultaneous catch will be there live for it all. But I just, I, if it's going to happen, that's when it's going to happen because that's when a team can offer the most that they can. And if it doesn't happen, I will be shocked if it happens at all this season. That's true. Again, initially, I thought it was definitely like it's so funny. We broke this news on our show. We were talking about, we're like, it'll never happen. This is ridiculous. He's unhappy. They'll figure it out. They'll hire the coach that he wants. And they didn't. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. So I don't believe Deshaun ever plays for the Texans. I just don't think he plays for another team until until next year. I think that they are both dug in. I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be, you know what, we're nearing the start of the season. Okay, I'm back. I'll play now. I, I You know what I mean? I made my point, but I want to play. I don't want to lose money. And I don't think Nick Casario and this organization wants the first thing they do to be like, you know what, the player wants out, we're trading him. I think that's wrong. I think they should trade him. But it, I don't think it, it, it'll it happen. It's just, it's it's insane. It's unfortunate. I We've been on the show talking about how much we love Deshaun, how great of a player he is. I think he's just as talented as Patrick Mahomes. I truly believe that. Uh, he's just been in a terrible, terrible organization and situation right now. And it's fascinating how the Texans are a laughing stock organization right now. They're like the worst franchise in the NFL right now. There There is not a franchise right now that you would not rather be. I would still rather be the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Yeah, I do have one more thing that we have to throw in a, a new wrench that just happened, Uh-oh. and it, it it's important. I mean, just not, happened like not I just already, happened. Oh, okay. This is, but this is new like, news. Deshaun Watson traded to the San Francisco 49ers. That was a team that I remember during the playoffs we talked about. But this was news that happened today. I don't know if you saw it, and I okay. do think it's important For whether sure. or not it's. But before I say that, I do say I have to say there is officially a new free agent signing. Hassan Ooh. Hassan Reddick is signed summer. with the. Carolina Panthers. That's a great so move. So there is a guy that capitalized on that final contract year. I love Hassan. Had right? over 12 sacks. Yeah. And I do want to talk about Arizona here in a couple of minutes, but I do want to talk about this final piece of the Deshaun Watson puzzle because and it's difficult to talk about these because this is a legal issue. I don't know if you heard about this, but okay. there was Oh, I did hear Deshaun about Watson yes. was accused of indecent conduct in a civil lawsuit, which he denies. He said it didn't happen, but there is stuff going on about sexuality in in a massage that was happened and he kind of uh 
I guess you can say threatened. It wasn't physical violence, but it was like, I would hate for somebody to mess with my career the way you would with you. So like, let's not let this get out. He denies it. But I'm just saying, this is going to be another thing that's coming up that people are like, do we really want to get involved with I this? Think, I think you are about to prove the point that I just made. And again, I I want to say, I, I'm not saying what, right or wrong what really happened, but there yeah. are two important pieces of information. One, the lawyer in question that is filing this lawsuit for whoever the plaintiff is, uh, was the neighbor of Bob McNair, the former owner who infamously did not like Deshaun Watson and called inmates running the, whatchamacallit, about the Texans. So I, that is a very, very interesting piece of information to look at. And two, when Deshaun Watson came out and said this, he said that before they went public, the lawyer came to him and asked for an absolutely ludicrous amount of money uh, for a settlement first. So I, I again, I don't, I don't want to read into it or be like, oh, that means that they're a liar. I'm just saying that both those things definitely look very, very bad right now uh, for whoever is trying, whoever is is accusing Deshaun of whatever you know the situation is. It, it, it seems very fishy, and you know. I will say this, people who are guilty most of the time do not come out as adamantly as Deshaun did. And in this situation, you saying what you just said about maybe this makes people not want to trade for him, and there's a link already to the Texans organization, sounds weird to me. I don't want to be I don't want to be conspiracy theory Adam right here. And it's a sensitive topic always. Of course, it's important to pay attention to, but it seems very weird to me. Yeah, it, it certainly does, and it's obviously weird timing and everything. But yeah, it just it's putting up flags it and is, whether or is. not people are gonna be like, "Well, what's going on?" Right. And, but and we're not we're not we're not lawyers. We're not judges. We're not juries. We're not placing any judgment right now. And it'll it'll all it'll all figure itself and reveal itself in time for sure. Um, but one person says they they didn't. One person says they didn't, and they both deserve equal weight in in the argument so yeah so let's get back to obviously the uh details about reddick's deal it's a one-year deal worth up to eight million so going That's not over quite to, as much as i thought he would have gotten i, mean, I that, think this a, is probably starting to get to the point where we're starting to see those one-year deals might be coming out because guys think they're not being offered enough they're like you know what i'll take one i'll year try to cash it. in this year yep. and get it next yep. year when the cap raises i think we might be getting to that point yep so but let's talk about the arizona cardinals as we're starting to wind down our show they were the ones that made the first free agent splash signing jj watt i love they it. did get AJ Green earlier today. Interesting signing. So he's Larry, please don't finally out of the Cincinnati Bengals organization. And I'm real curious what that means for Larry Fitzgerald. Cliff Kingsbury was asked and he said, quote, I haven't heard of Larry's decision, but I hope he stays with us for five more years. Well, and see, that's the thing. Obviously, when you've had a career the way that Larry has, he's going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. There's oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. I think he definitely has the right in the organization to say, if he comes in and says, I want to play, they better be like, here's your contract. And if he says, I'm done, then they have to say, thank you so much for everything you've done for us here in, in Glendale. Enjoy Canton. And in, in, is it five years or four? There's five, still, it? there's, it's five. There's still a role for Larry Fitzgerald on this offense. It's not, it's not, you know, a target machine like he used to be, but there is a role for him in a security blanket fashion and even in a leadership fashion working with younger receivers. And we saw what was the most infamous 
thing we talked about on that one game where he was picking up the ball in the two-minute drill and running it to the spot. You know what I mean? Like, there's a level of intelligence that it is unquantifiable for Larry Fitzgerald. So if he wants to put a spot on that roster, he's on that roster. I hope that he continues. He's one of our favorite players. And I kept saying, you know, he only needs a couple more seasons of a certain number of catches to, to break Jerry Rice's. He's very close, um, which is so much fun. And I would just love to see it happen for such a great guy. Uh, well, if he does come back, it certainly got harder <laughs> with the signing of AJ Green. But what does this mean now for the Arizona Cardinals? This is really interesting. I think on paper, you kind of look at the names. You're like, oh, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green. Like, this is, they're assembling a super team. But these aren't the players that they were in 2015. So what do you think this means? This is obviously a team that started off extremely hot last year, fell off near the edge, finished at 500, correct? Yeah, they did, 8-8. Eight and eight. And I, the, What does Ar- this mean for them in, in the West? Ar- Arizona was a team that I was high on. I predicted them to make the playoffs and at 6-2 and two after beating... The Seattle Seahawks, I think, on Monday Night Football, I obviously looked like a genius because they were incredible. Then they just fell off. Uh, I am high on the Cardinals coming into this season. Uh, Obviously, it's hard for the 49ers. are going to get healthy. And Seattle, we don't know what they're going to do if they add weapons or not or lose Ross. Who knows with that? (laughs) But even the Rams, who I was high on too and picked the win of the division and was one game away from winning the division, just added Matt Stafford, one of my favorite quarterbacks who I've championed for many, many years. So it's fascinating to watch. But Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt opposite each other is terrifying for anybody. And let's not forget that they also have the signing that they grabbed from Buffalo from last year. in uh, It's Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, the defensive tackle, who's a pass rusher too. Like that, Obviously, they, they lose Riddick, but they added pieces to uh, offset it. Simmons is going to step into a bigger role next season. We talked about him with a slow start, but a strong finish. I just think that this team is very, very good. Another uh, system, a year in the system for Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. You still have Christian Kirk. You just added A.J. Green. Hopefully Larry Fitzgerald comes back. Like You have so many pieces for this offense. They did make and the trade for Rodney Hudson. They, which is a very, another very great huge center, thing. And so. I think a lot of times that's why as frustrated as we were with Kenyon Drake, I think that was another huge part of it because they tried, they liked that in zone, in, inside zone run, and the center just struggled at times last season. And I think that's another reason why Kyler Murray was so good because he was so good at getting out on the edge. He had to because there's pressure up the middle a lot. So I, I, I've loved every move that Arizona has made, and it comes down to Cliff and Kyler. Can they get it done? Because it, first half of the season, it was a resounding yes. And if they continued the way that they were going, Kyler Murray would have been in the MVP discussions because he was having that good of a year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm high on both of them. I'm high on this team. I really like them. We talked for a very long time that they were our pals team. And <laughs> we jokingly said if we were 40 and not married, we would co-parent a child together. But then there would be a Cardinals fans so that we didn't have to divide our fandoms. So I, I like this team and I like what they have. Um, but I will say this. Obviously... A.J. Green and J.J. Watt are not the players that they were in 2015. No. J.J. Watt had a great year last year. You may not have noticed because it may not – it wasn't the, the sack totals or whatever. But pro football focus, pro football reference, every analytic stat, DVOA, pass rush rate, he was among the top 10 and top 5 in a lot of categories of pass rush rate. He gave pressure after pressure. He took on double team after double team. He was, he was not the three-time – uh, defensive player of the year last year, but he was a step and a half, maybe even just a step below that. He was very good last year. Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming up on the end of our episode. So I want to talk about, um, and maybe you don't have all the names of everybody that's been signed. There have been right. 
70 some contracts signed and and everything but in your opinion right now who has been the best free agent signing in your opinion emmanuel sanders no i'm just kidding (laughs) although i am very very excited for that for buffalo uh the best free agent signing for me there's obviously a lot but i really think it's john o smith Okay. I love the I love both tight end moves, and I talked about it. I think it's fantastic for them, but more so than Hunter Henry. Not because I think John Smith's a better tight end than Hunter Henry. I think they're both very close, one A, one B, on who was the best one on the market. But because of what I talked about, his athleticism, what he can do in this offense, he can play tight end. He's a pretty good, if not great, inline blocker as well. So he's he's he can play tight end position. He can play fullback. He can play running back. He can play wide receiver. He can play every skill position on the offensive side of the football. And Josh McDaniels will use him in every position on the offensive side of the football. And having Hunter Henry there locked in at tight end as well, I just think that this this offense that was in the top five in rushing, obviously because of Cam and the bevy of backs that they had, obviously finding Damian Harris late. Uh, and then, you know, actually Sony Michelle looked pretty good when he was healthy. You know, they they will be a, a scary offense next year if Cam can come back and be healthier. But John o. Smith for me is the slam dunk. I just, I cannot look at another offense and think he would be better in that. I think he's perfect for New England's offense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I am fascinated to see what they do with him, how he's utilized, and I think he will be utilized well. I just have a difficult time justifying making a guy that has 16 career touchdowns and 1,300 career yards as one of the top five tight ends in the league. I think the important point to make, though, about that, and that's a good point, is that he has never not gotten better. He started off as yeah, that's fair. I was gonna say I was listening to the fantasy footballers po- a couple of days ago, and they were talking about the signings and that he went from like tight end in the fifties his first year to the thirties to the twenties, and then he was in top ten. I, he was either top ten or like just outside the top ten last year. So he's consistently improved. That's fair. That's a, a great point, and we will have to see. Obviously, I think it's definitely a good signing for all the reasons you say. I think you make a really good case for it. I'm gonna go to a guy that's definitely not a splash free agent like that i'm going to talk about mike hilton okay going from the pittsburgh steelers over the cincinnati Bengals. i think he's a really great slot corner but the reason i like it even more is because they didn't break the bank for him it's a four-year 24 million dollar deal so that's eight million a year i think anytime you can get a guy this is sounds weird but anytime you can get a guy for under 10 million that's a starter in the NFL, I think, you know, like yeah. you just you take that. And a good starter. He's a very good starter. And I think he, he's still in his mid twenties. So I think going and getting a guy like that to come over <laughs> and not only that, but I think any time that you can weaken a division rival is just it's so it's just checking all those banks. He's gonna be a starter, he's weakening a division rival, and it's not breaking the bank. I think for all those reasons it is a great signing. So my last question for you. I just want to say about Cincinnati. I am going to love watching Cincinnati next season. I'm I'm fascinated to continue to follow them as they continue to build around Joe Burrow, uh, that offense, and, and, and solidify the defense as well. But that will be a team that I will not have any troubles rooting for next season. I, I like that team a lot, and I always love when when – uh, teams that have been so bad for so long have a turnaround, as a lot of people do. That's why the NFL is a lot of fun. But I'm going to have a lot of fun watching that team next year. Watch out for them. 
There we go. So my last question for you, I don't know if you have any for me after this, but of the guys still left out there, we obviously talked about, or we hinted, I guess we should say, all of the wide receivers are still out there. There's just a slew of big-time wide receivers. What is a move you think somebody should make, whether or not you say a specific team signing this guy or where you want to see a specific guy go? So uh, the, the, the most... The easiest one, the, the lowest of hanging fruits, is Kenny Galladay needs to go somewhere. And I think that a big thing we're seeing right now is that players aren't signing right now because they're not getting the contract offers that they want. So a lot of these guys, like you said, are going to have to take that one year, like Hassan Reddick, uh, prove it deal and prove it. Uh, so for me, that's the biggest one I want to see. I want to see him go. My number one for him is I want to see him go to the Miami Dolphins. I don't want Miami to have to draft a receiver in the draft. I want them to be able to take a guy like you said you liked, like Penny Sewell at three, sure up that line, and then take whatever you want at the second pick or trade back and get more picks. I want Miami to be able to do that and build. And as a division rival, that, that, it would still scare me. But that's that's where I would want him to go. That's the easy one, though, okay? okay. I, I don't want to just leave you with that one. I want to I wanna look at here at a couple more fun ones for sure. And I'm going to look at a guy like – oh, shoot. Let me see if I can find this because I'm looking at the list of the ones available. Um I'm going to give you – no, see, I, I wanted Sammy Watkins to come back to Buffalo, but the, <laughs> with the Emmanuel Sanders signing, Probably I, not gonna I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to give you a running back that I want to go somewhere, okay? All right. I want the Atlanta Falcons to sign Kenyon Drake. Ooh. I want Kenyon Drake to go somewhere who's a player that – I don't know where you land on him because he was so frustrating for us in fantasy last year <laughs> that he may have left such a sore taste in your mouth that you're done with him. But I still really like Kenyon Drake. I think he's got a ton of ability, and I think he would be a great addition to that Atlanta offense, especially now that Todd Gurley is no longer there. Um, Todd Gurley, come to Buffalo. We need a touchdown getter in the red zone. I would love you. Um, But I think that Kenyon Drake would be great in that zone run scheme uh, that, you know, Arthur Smith runs the Shanahan system, the system that Matt Ryan flourished in a couple years ago. And I think that would be a great fit for them in terms of offensively. They're certainly not going to go into the season with Ito Smith as their starting running back. Sorry, Ito Smith. Uh, or, it's Br- it's or Brian Hill. Hill, for that matter. Sorry, guys. But you're far better than me, but I don't think you're starting NFL running backs. I think Kenyon Drake, 27 years old still, will take a lower-end deal, maybe like a two-year, $12 million, $13 million deal starting running back for Atlanta. I would be fascinated to see what Brian Hill could do, though, as being told you're the guy. I like Brian Hill. Uh, he guessed where he went to college, Wyoming, where Josh Allen was from. So I, it's a lot of fun. He's like the only other NFL receiver for, or player from Wyoming. But uh, I just I would like to see Kenyon Drake go there. Yeah, no, that's fair. I like that a lot. You know, this free agency period is so interesting because we're getting to the point where, as we've gotten older, so have NFL players and guys right. that. You know, like there are names on out on the free agency block right now. Patrick Peterson, Jadavian Clowney, Xavier Rhodes. These are all guys that were like, man, these are superstars. Right. And maybe they're right. not quite Jadavion the superstars Clowney's that we think about. Too. <laughs> uh, a guy that I'm really fascinated to see if I didn't pick a player like that because I would love to see one of the things I'm just adamantly watching to see if Green Bay does pull off a Patrick Peterson or, or an Adoree Jackson who was cut from the Titans once all these things started happening. But a name that I'm really fascinated to see is the tight end 
out of L.A., Gerald Everett. Okay, yeah. He was a guy that was drafted pretty early, has a ton of physical talent. Never really had the opportunity to be the only guy. Doesn't Has never had that opportunity and has never really just been that consistent, but has a ton of flash to show. And so wherever he goes, I think he'll have a lot of opportunity. I think that is definitely a player. I'm excited to see where he goes and what he can make of himself. Yep. So that is a player I'm really excited to watch. And then certainly I'm trying to uh, slip through here. First of all, Byron Pringle uh, was... Uh, given a tender offer by the Chiefs, so you'll be happy about that. Um, Our boy. Uh, just two two other names that I want to mention that I'm fascinated to see where it go. Curtis Samuel, who, take a deep dive on Curtis Samuel's stats, had a way better year than you would think in Carolina. Obviously, we followed it close because we were so high on DJ Moore and so upset that DJ Moore, who also had a very good season, by the way, yeah. after it all was said and done. Uh, fascinated to see where a guy like him can go. He was another person that I would have liked uh, possibly to go to a place like Buffalo because I we were looking for a speed. Obviously, we could still add somebody else, but the Emmanuel Sanders signing uh, is a whole other thing. And Richard Sherman, who is has represented himself the last couple of contracts, and I don't know if you saw was championing himself with advanced stats on Twitter, saying, "Guys, look, I'm still very, very good. I'll be fascinated to see where he goes as well." Uh, so those are two two guys that I I want to keep an eye on certainly heading into the. Uh, bulk of free agency here this weekend yeah i'm mostly fascinated about sherman just because the team i've heard him most connected to with the most interest is new orleans and obviously we know they're in the worst salary cap position yeah i don't have money at all so (laughs) that's you know but that's that's another player you know the richard sherman oh my gosh richard sherman come to buffalo yeah, you got Josh Norman. We you need got, a, he's uh, he's gone, man. He yeah, but you, one I'm, year just, I'm oh, saying okay. you had you so had that like we don't need feisty dread <laughs> corner that was like a really good lockdown. Was okay. you don't get to, I'm talking about like in his prime, and obviously no, you're right. he sure. You're, you're right. right. You're right. You you've already gotten that. <sighs> All um, right, my man. Anything else? Yeah, just uh, no. I, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm gonna test free agency for a little while as well, and sign with simultaneous catch in six hours. Oh, like okay, like uh. One Rob Gronkowski, I might check out Buffalo, hear their offer, but then decide not to come. So, so, um, so you're just one year deals from here on out. We're just going year by year. You know, I'm just you know the salary cap. I got to see what's going on. That's fair. I understand that. All right, friends, the moment you've all been waiting for. Here we go. We We are going to roll the. I found a wheel on the internet. I entered all the names that are possible. We are going to spin this wheel of names. It actually is kind of cute. Um, with all the names of the people who entered to win the free jersey or team apparel of your choice, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the simultaneous catch raffle for our Instagram campaign. That, that None of that made sense, but it's fine. I was just stalling until I was ready to click it. Are we ready? Yes, I will say that I was a stickler for having to follow the rules that Adam wrote out. So if anybody just liked the the post that did not get you entered. You had to have shared it You had to commented. do all the things that Adam wrote. And I do agree they were exhausted, but they were the rules. So. Okay, here we go. I turned the volume up so hopefully we can hear the spin. Here we go. I hope I win. I didn't win. And the winner of the free apparel is Nicole Lossie. Yay! Our friend Nicole Lossie. What a wonderful person. Runs social media for Drama Shop, the theater company that I work for, and also I believe Gannon University here in Erie, Pennsylvania. She's a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, but she is 
also a rooter for the Buffalo Bills because she's from that area. So, Nicole Lossie, we will obviously tag you on our Instagram if you're not listening to the episode. Uh, we'll have you reach out to us and let us know what you would like. But congratulations on winning Woo! it. Uh, hopefully, you know, we're going to talk about doing some other fun giveaways heading into the season, uh, maybe during the offseason or maybe at the start of the year, something like that, just to continue to build our our profile on Instagram. But congratulations, Nicole Lossie, winner of the free jersey or sweater or apparel or whatever. <laughs> Thanks for all, following all the instructions, Nicole. I appreciate that. All right, my friend, anything else? All right, everybody. We are here for season four and free agency is in full bloom. We got the draft coming up. It is the most wonderful time of the year for good old me. So feels good to be back, you know. Three years ago, four years ago, we sat in and, and started this in my spare bedroom. Yep, in the spare bedroom on a uh, on a TV, TV tray. tray. And here <laughs> One we are. Microphone. So. It's been a lot of fun, pal. I hope that we have many, many more years, and maybe at some point we can sign you to that long-term extension. I'll never franchise tag you. I want you. There we go. <laughs> Thanks for the many signups. Name is Catch, everybody. God bless. <laughs>